Welcome to Birds Breakdown. I'm your host, Tyler Jackson of BleedingGreenNation.com, joined by my co-host, Johnny Page, also of BleedingGreenNation.com. You can find him on Twitter, at JohnnyPage9, that's two N's, no H's, H-P-A-G-E, nine, nine for Nick Foles. And you can find me on Twitter, I'm at TJackRH. Johnny, it's been a couple weeks since we've, since we've had the chance to talk, the opportunity, and there's uh, been a lot going around this team. They just, they're up to 8-1 and one now. It's uh, It's been insane. So, so how have you been doing, man? I have been great, mainly because of how good this Eagles team are. Honestly, I was just watching the game on Sunday, and because we didn't talk last week, I actually didn't see it as a trap game as some of the others, not because I thought we'd walk all over them, just because of Brock Osweiler, but I enjoyed that game so, so much. Like I can't remember enjoying a game that much, especially not a rival game. Like I thought the defensive line, every time they hit the running back, there was just like five of them just crowding around. It's just, it's such a cool team to root for at the moment. I'm not sure I'll ever see such a dominant three or four weeks from an Eagles team. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. They've just been absolutely dominant from start to finish. And that game was just, it was pretty much perfection in almost every facet. So, yeah, it was fun to watch back. And it's going to be fun to break down now because it was just such a great game to watch. Yeah, absolutely. When I did the uh, the Wentz report last week, it was for week eight. You know, I said yeah, I expected a, a bit of a, a fall off for Wentz this past week, just because the defense, the level of talent that they were playing, this was this is probably the most talented unit that they faced on offense or defense all year long. So, you know, I figured that they'd be able to get to the young quarterback, and you know, with Jason Peters out, the offensive line still a bit of a uh, a question. But we'll talk about this later. I thought Doug Peterson did a fantastic job of of scheming and uh, play calling really well to suit his offensive line. But that's just not what happened with Wentz. He didn't, you know, fall. He he was perfect. I didn't have him down for. I haven't finished charting for the Wentz report, but off the top of my head, I, I don't think I have him down for any interceptable passes. So it's insane. That that's the uh, second straight week. No, actually, that's a. Uh, so it's a. He's. I think it's the third or fourth game this year where I've had him down for zero interceptable passes. The other one, I had New York down, and there was a uh, the Panthers game also down for that one so he's he's just been outstanding so far this year and he's really cut down his interceptable throws like I think over the last three weeks I've only had him down for two I had him down for one in the Redskins game which was kind of an arm punt and then that one against the 49ers which was a, just a really outstanding play by the cornerback Akilah Wetterspoon which is a guy that we like coming out we actually talked about on this podcast but he's just been outstanding against this Broncos defense that you figure they'd give him different looks, and they were really talented. It'd be a hard matchup for him. Without Zach Ertz, he didn't miss a beat at all. You know, they want to talk about completion percentage. I know that there are some skeptics out there. We're not going to give them names to uh, kind of throw any more publicity their way, but they're talking about 15 of 27. That, that doesn't really matter as much. I know um, Locked on Eagles, our friends over there, Michael Kist, actually went back and looked at Tom Brady's 2004 Super Bowl year. I think he had 11 games where he completed under 20 passes. Yeah, and that was their third Super Bowl. Yeah, because that's the year that uh that we actually ended up playing them in the Super Bowl. So that was their third Super Bowl year. And uh Brady, you know, I think he had 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions that year. They had Corey Dillon who was a really good running back. But, you know, you're obviously, Carson Wentz isn't Tom Brady yet, but it's just kind of ludicrous and insane to go after him for these sorts of things. You know, I thought he played really well. Doug Peterson set him up for success at this point, but you still got to execute, and that's one thing that he did. Like, um, 
looking at the Alshon Jeffrey touchdown, I know pre-snap there were kind of eight guys in the box, but it looked like the offensive line was able to get up and, and, and block some lanes for him if he wanted to hand it off. So the right read may have actually been to hand the ball off there, but it looks like he pulled it and he rolled outside, and they were able to sell a keep to leave on that fake. And he just blew the coverage simply. And with Vaughn Miller in his face, he tossed a perfect pass. It was perfect execution. So while he's set in the position that where he's being set up for for good things to happen, you still have to execute, and that's exactly what we've seen. He's just uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his cumulative uh, progression, but he's just he's just been fantastic this year. It is borderline ridiculous how well he's playing right now. Like. I mean, I was Wentz's big. I was one of Wentz's biggest fans in the offseason, but I'd be lying if I ever saw this coming so soon. I think he did have the potential to be this good in a few years, but for an aggressive quarterback, it's ridiculous how few interceptable throws he's throwing right now. I mean, and it was a dig on him. It was a, a fair dig last year that he threw too many balls that could have been picked, and there were obviously reasons for that, which is what we were saying, which a lot of people didn't listen. And to be honest, like you said, there's no point naming names and talking about people who aren't giving him credit anymore because they've exposed themselves to be completely ridiculous and it really is no point wasting time on it um but for, yeah for a guy who's he's still an aggressive qb even though the eagles are up i mean they're he's throwing passes that some quarterbacks wouldn't throw the um the touchdown to alshon jeffrey this week not the first one the second one was an outrageous throw that most quarterbacks wouldn't attempt there was a deep out or like a corner route to alshon jeffrey as well i think it was between cover three you probably saw the same throw where we got it over the head of the cornerback and perfectly um on the sideline before the safety could get over there i mean these are big time throws they're not safe slant they're not like very basic throws he's throwing with anticipation he's throwing to guys when they're covered he's throwing guys open and he's not throwing interceptable passes which is sort of ridiculous really i think i always wondered if he'd be a bit like Jameis winston i mean even good Jameis winston not Jameis winston this year because he's been broken but where he always has those plays that just make you go oh my goodness but he's still good enough to get you through them so it doesn't matter but at the moment he's still making those plays yet he's not having the bonehead decisions and i think in that duggan post-game speech that um, you've probably seen it was like two minutes long the Eagles Twitter posted it and you could tell the players absolutely love Doug but when he was talking he was really stressing I know every NFL coach stresses this but I think it's definitely an Andy Reid thing um, where you do not turn the ball over that's just it's very very crucial for for an offense and people can moan about Alex Smith and the reasons why is because Alex Smith hasn't got the talent that Wentz has but Alex Smith just does not turn the ball over and if Wentz can turn into someone who turns the ball over this um, or just as little as he has been and still has the ability to make those aggressive throws then it's incredible, really. And like you said, um, he's just been so, so good. One thing I want to mention as well, which there's no statistic for this, which is some, why a lot of people don't mention it, because no one ever quantifies this. You can't quantify this as a, as a um, statistic. You could try to, but it's basically impossible, is how many throws do people miss? So we saw with Nick Foles, I think, a lot with the Eagles offense, you saw people posting screenshots of like Riley Cooper running down the field on the left and Foles throwing it to the right. And I hate screenshots more than anything. We spoke about this because you don't know what the read was. You don't know what the play call was. You don't know if his first read was open. Therefore, why is he going to go to his backside read? So ignoring the screenshots, there are plays where you watch on, on film and you'll recognize a route concept. You'll see it. For example, you might see a dagger play and you might see that the streak's open and you know that he is reading that play first. So you know that he's missed a throw. And there are times when you can watch games when you can quite obviously see a quarterback stare at someone, sort of half pull the trigger, and then for some reason not throw it. And you see it quite a lot with, we saw it quite, not a lot last year, um, 
well, not a lot earlier on in the season, but there was a couple of throws to Ertz and things that I was missing, and people would always post, because they're popular to post as well. If you're trying to hate on a quarterback, it's very easy to post throws that he misses. I think we do it a lot with Dak, because there was lots of times last year when Des was running down the field, and Dak didn't throw to him. So every quarterback has them, I mean, every single quarterback. But, I mean, I, I haven't watched as much all 22 this year, admittedly, as I'd have liked to. But in, when I've been watching, and especially the last few weeks I've watched closely, I don't see a play that he's missing. Like, there's very few plays that I think, are oh, the scheme one there the guy's running wide open he just hasn't thrown it it's really incredible he seems to be so so good in such um in such a good rhythm of the offense that when the throw is there to be made he will throw it and sometimes he might miss it like i think he missed one to round sean jeffrey against the 49ers for example but you rarely see those players running free downfield and i don't know if that's something you agree with i just don't see it at the moment which is incredible really because there was something he had a little bit of a problem with at the start of the year i thought there was a couple of throws here and there that he was missing and all quarterbacks do it at the moment i think he's almost going for a freaky streak but there's just very few plays that i think wow that should have been thrown and wench just didn't pull the trigger so when you combine that with his aggressive nature and the fact he's not turning the ball over i mean it really is incredible how well he's playing yeah and the incredible thing about that again is the fact that you know he, he's not putting opportunities out there to turn the ball over meanwhile last year you know there would be a couple dropped interceptions he's just not giving defenses that opportunity to make those plays on the ball now obviously he's throwing a lot less than what he has been um you know, we talked about 15 of 27. He's not throwing over 30 times a game. I don't, I don't think he has for the last couple of weeks. So that's really encouraging. I think it's a testament to his coaching staff as well that they're managing him better because, you know, last year he had had like the most uh, attempts of any rookie in NFL history or second. I think it was right up there with Andrew Luck. So, and then that was one of the tops in the league as well. Like there are quarterbacks that have been in the league for years that still weren't attempting as many passes as what Carson Wentz was. So, so there's a lot, of, a lot to unwrap there with that, but he's just he's just playing safer with the ball. The, the only thing that I would say I still want to see him do a little bit better with is uh, protecting the ball in the pocket because there there do tend to be some fumble issues whenever the the pressure starts to get to him and it, and it gets invited a little bit there. So that's definitely something I want to see kind of change going forward. But yeah, just you know, overall, he's just been fantastic this year. He was fantastic on Sunday, and it's just ludicrous to me that he did that well. And uh, it just put up that many touchdowns against the defense that they really they're not known for that. They're, I think they were like number one or number two in DVOA. So they're, this unit was legit. They're, they both probably the best cornerback combo. They you know, fearsome pass rush of Vaughn Miller. And while he had a he didn't really make any plays in the game as far as I guess splash plays. Whenever uh, Carson Wentz was in there, <clears throat> there there was a couple times that he was actually bringing pressure. Whenever Wentz was in there, so. It's uh, to be able to neutralize him as much and, and to avoid him. I just think that's it's a fantastic job by his team, and it's just a testament to Carson Wentz. You know, a lot of people want to talk about how he's just kind of put in the position and how he just makes plays that are given to him. It's these things still have to be executed. You can put a lot of good, a lot of bad quarterbacks in good systems, but they're not going to execute consistently week in and week out like this. And that's exactly what he's doing. So, you know, obviously Doug deserves some credit for what's happening with him and just the whole offensive coaching staff. I think that they've they've really nailed and ingrained some quarterback concepts in the Carson's head. And you can see those manifest uh, on the field. Like I talked about, I actually posted a clip on Twitter earlier today. We were recording on Wednesday. And it uh, it talked about how when Saul pre-snap, he used a tight end in motion. 
anytime the safety's lined up over a tight end and travels with him, that tells you it's man coverage. So the safety shifted with Trey Burton. So that shows Wentz that it was man. So he killed to the next play. Because, I mean, in quarterbacks, you typically call, you know, if they do a kill thing, it's usually two or three plays. or There's a couple plays that they can call in the huddle. So it's first one up, then they'll kill, if they say kill, they'll kill to the next one and kill again. goes on. So he killed to the second play. And uh, it was a it was a man beater. He knew he had single they had single high coverage, so Jeffrey was going to be one on one on the opposite side of field against uh, Bradley Roby. So he just uh, he beat him on a corner route and Wentz hit him right there as a perfect throw. And really, you know, Roby still held on to Alshon, and Wentz was still able to deliver it right on to Alshon for the catch. So it, it's just been fantastic at this point. But as far as the rest of the offense, we'll segue into Alshon Jeffrey and the, the receivers. You know, wasn't there wasn't too big of an impact from those guys in this game, but uh, it just all—it was the Alshon game more than anything. I, he, he dropped a couple balls. I think this should have been his first hundred-yard game of the uh, of the season, but he, he just dropped a couple uh, balls that he should have caught. And uh, it's just uh, all around. Torrey Smith made a catch uh, on a very nice design play. He broke off on his route and got enough separation for the first down. Nelson Aguilar, not too much of a uh, an impact, but I kind of didn't really think that he would. I thought that they they had enough cornerback depth to deal with him if they needed to, but they just they they went to Trey Burton regardless of whether or not Zach Ertz was out there. They were going to get the ball to the tight end. They were going to find the mismatch, and it's exactly what they did. There was that uh, that fade route, to the slot fade for the touchdown to Trey Burton, and, and Trey did a good job himself of winning against coverage and going against these safeties, regardless of the drop-off from Ertz to Burton. Burton did a good job. Now, I think that he's always been a, a good tight end here, just a good player here. Whatever they needed him to do, he's he's done well. Last year, whenever Ertz was out, he, he was able to step in, and uh, he did well for a couple games. So it's nice to have that sort of tight end depth behind him. But you know, the receivers didn't have to do too much just because they, they piled up so much on offense and, they were schemed open really well, but what did you see from these guys? Yeah, it was the Alshon game, wasn't it? Because he had a, he had a few really nice big plays. Um, yeah, the receivers didn't do a great deal, but as you said, they weren't really needed to. I think Burton had a really nice game. And even Brent Selig, it was so good to see Brent Selig get some catches because I just absolutely love that guy. And just talking about Doug in, as a whole here, because we were always on him. that We liked him in the offseason. We thought the scheme last year was really versatile. We thought the run game was really versatile. We just thought when there was just no pieces. And what I absolutely love about Doug, and it showed up in this week, is he's not one of those coaches, and there are coaches like this in all sports, that say, we're going to do what we're going to do, and you're going to, um, and it doesn't matter what you do. Like, we do X, Y, Z, and we don't care what you do. We're going we're gonna to be better than you. And because that's stupid. So, for example, Lane Johnson is great, and Big V's playing quite well, but the Broncos pass rush is elite. And I know Von Miller didn't have a great game. I know Lane Johnson played really well against him, but the Eagles aren't taking seven-step drops and asking Lane Johnson to block Von Miller for five seconds by himself while they run some downfield concept that takes forever to develop. They're getting Wentz on the move. They're running screen passes to avoid Von Miller. And then the Trey Burton thing was if Ertz was out there, because I love Zach Ertz, but I'm not sure he'd have run that route the way, same way Trey Burton did. Trey Burton's quicker downfield, I think. So I think you might have seen Ertz in Selick's position. Because I think on that play, Selick was outside the receiver as well, which meant they knew they'd get a linebacker or safety in one of them, and they fancied their chances for Burson to win. It was just another great design by Doug. I actually think we would have seen Burson featured a little bit more this week, even if Ertz was out there. So I imagine the Ertz injury might not have been as bad because they probably had some plays schemed up for Burson anyway. But just the way he's using everyone, um, the way he used J.H.I. running play action, or it looked like, an like you said, it looked like an RPO. You can never tell with RPOs whether 
even if they look like an RPO, you never really know if it is play action unless they tell you themselves. But getting a Jai in there, the Broncos are going to think it's a um, running play every single time. Then you throw the first few times in, he's in the game, which they probably weren't expecting. He's just doing such a great job of using different weapons for different situations. And yeah, Alshon deserves huge credit. I thought we had a really good game. The, cap, the drops are a bit of a weird thing. I don't, they, they don't worry me at all because it's Alshon and he's got a track record of not dropping passes. So, and the, the Nelson and Aguilar catch on Chris Harris right at the end of the game was, was great as well. But yeah, the receivers are just doing what they need to do. I mean, the offense as a whole is just humming so, so nicely. And Doug Wentz and the whole coaching staff, like you said, deserves absolutely huge credit for what they're doing right now in the passing game yeah um nfl matchup actually just released a stat the most throws of 20 plus yards downfield carson wentz is tied for third on this list with tom brady he has 42 russell wilson's at the top with 49 and ben roth's right behind him at 47 the fewest 20 yard throws downfield joe flacco tied at 21 with dak prescott so it's a uh and i know people talk about carson wentz's uh accuracy and uh his percentage on that but that's that's one of these knocks that, that people have been using on cam newton is accuracy but you know, those offenses are forcing the ball downfield at a higher rate like you're going further and further downfield like that's that's one thing that carson's completely done this year is just you know nip that air yards and uh average depth the target thing right in the bud he's just he's just done really well at hitting targets downfield and, and pushing the ball downfield People have talked about his vertical accuracy and, and moving the ball between that intermediate range, and he's just done fantastic this year, and I think that's a stat that backs that up. But back on subject real quick, for the, for the offensive line, uh, I thought they did really well. Again, I talked earlier, teasing about Doug Peterson, what he did. He he moved the pocket. He actually reestablished the offensive lines uh, at different points around field. He would get uh, Wentz on the sprint out. So it kind of makes it harder because um, that Jim Schwartz clinic that I talk about a lot, what oh, Jim Washburn and Jim Schwartz had actually planned on doing at one point in time because they were talking about, you know, wadding your stance by the time a defensive end gets there, the ball's already gone. So... What are they going to do? They went through, they charted where a quarterback drops back on every play to get the tendencies of where he's going to be. And they, they talk about tackle death, and I guess this is kind of the age of uh, advanced statistics where it started. It was back in the early 2000s. But they had talked about all of that. So I don't know if all defenses use that, but I'd have to imagine that factors in at some point, especially with uh, as much preparation goes into games, you know, hey, we need to attack this spot or, or anything like that, especially if you're an aggressive defense like the Broncos are. So if you're moving the pocket and you're moving that spot, it makes it even harder for defenses to find somewhere to attack because there's no consistency from play to play for a defense to do that. And that's one way to neutralize the rush. Now, straight up, I didn't think the Eagles' offensive line was bad. I thought they did really well. There there were a couple times that Big V ended up on the ground, but Carson did a good job of getting the ball out before the pressure or pass rusher actually got to him. So, overall, in, in the past game, I thought the offensive line did well. You know, Damata Pico, or Domata, however you say his name, the nose tackle for the Broncos, he uh, he gave Jason Kelsey a run for his money. I know a couple of those outside zone plays that they ran with uh, Jay Ajayi and some of the other running backs, he was getting pushed back, and it really didn't allow for things. But this is something that we've always known for Jason Kelsey is that he, he's going to struggle against those bigger guys, and that's what that's what Pico is. He's a, just a bigger run-stuffing, you know, space-consuming guy. But overall, you know, I thought the offensive line did well, and, and credit to Doug Peterson for what he did. He put them in the position to win. 
Yeah, that's what it all comes down to, really. A lot of it is on Doug, as I said. He didn't put his um, offensive linemen in positions where they couldn't succeed. Uh, Big V's playing well. He's not playing amazing. I still, I mean, the Eagles, it looks like, tried to trade for them. Brown, the tackle to Seahawks did. So I think they clearly have a, a few concerns. But he's doing enough. And he's not getting that much help from what I can see either. I, it's not like they're, chip, they're chipping him or his side on every play. They're sort of trusting him. So he's doing a fine job. Brooks is playing like an absolute star. I mean, I loved Brandon Brooks when we signed him. Like, he was one of the most in-depth film pieces I've probably done. I don't know why at that time. I think we just really wanted a big guard. And I spent ages watching Brooks' film. And to be honest, I rarely find offensive line film that interesting unless the players are excellent. And Brooks' film was hilarious because he was just bigger than everyone. And he's still just absolutely dominant. I think the way he goes around his business, people don't really talk about him as a star, but he is a legitimate star. That Jay Ajayi run was awesome. He just completely killed two guys out there. Lane's playing really well as always. I mean, I know Jason Kelsey still gets pushed back at times, but the things that guy can do on the move, I, I we were talking actually before the podcast about how we've been right on quite a lot of players this year. I was wrong on Kelsey because I wanted him gone. And my goodness, he has been so good this year. I don't think I was wrong that he wasn't this good last year or the year before um but oh my goodness he is absolutely phenomenal he just when they run those outside zone plays or those sweet plays where they get him uh just to, or those pin pull plays where he tries to take that side the outside linebacker the holes that guy creates and the way he can move in space is absolutely outrageous i mean the offensive line's playing really well i love what they're doing with six offensive linemen at times as well getting same arlo in there they ran a few tackle over sets as well they're just doing things that they can run the same sort of play but they can just make it hard to um just makes it hard to pick up what they're doing. They have to be a little bit careful with Ajayi. I know because Ajayi is so good in outside zone. And I think he's one of the only... I don't think Blunt runs that particularly well. They run a lot of power stuff with Blunt, like Wham plays. So I assume they'll have to be a little bit careful about not being too predictable in what they do. But I'm sure that's something they will look at. Ajayi can do everything. So you can just do whatever you want with Ajayi. Um, also, Clement had a really nice run on outside zone. That was something that I saw Clement do um, before the season. I can't remember what, who it was, but there was a safety, I think. They moved their same their safeties into the linebacker position. And he was he had Clement on the edge, and Clement just burst through and broke his tackle and kept going for quite a few yards. I think it was when Foles was in the game. So it was towards the end. But, yeah, I mean, just a really, really good performance from the offensive line. And I also was new to he's playing fine. I think him and Kelsey have a really good relationship. They seem to have some really good combo blocks going on. I don't know if that's something they worked on a lot last year because they've had that relationship since... Um, Wisniewski came into the starting lineup. Him and Kelsey just seem to have a good understanding. And Lane and Brooks have an excellent understanding. So if you could help out Big V a little bit, you've got two duos there that are just playing exceptionally well on the offensive line. So it is, it's a really good sign. And yeah, it's just, it's very good to see. Yeah, it's, um, you talk, a lot of people have been talking about Brandon Brooks, you know, maybe a Pro Bowl. I, I forget Pro Bowl. He's, he's been an all pro guard. Like, I don't, I don't see how you pick anybody else over him. You know, Marshall Yonda is a guy that you would typically pick any of the guard positions. He he broke his leg like week two, so he's out for the year. You know, I know Zach Martin's good year in and year out, but just Brandon Brooks has been outstanding. There is no doubt in my mind that at the very least he's a second team All Pro, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's first team All Pro because some of those other guys that I had on All Pro watch, Trey Turner, that's a guy for the Panthers. He Fletcher Cox ate him alive. <laughs> and I, some of the games I've seen since then, he's not been the same since Fletcher Cox got a hold of him. So that's uh, that's one thing to watch out for there. I just think he's just been fantastic. Lane Johnson, I think, is probably going to be an all-pro this year just because right tackle is not exactly a, a, uh, a position that gets a lot of recognition, uh, recognition around the league, and it's not exactly one that... You kind of look at it and you're like, wow, this is a dominant right tackle. That and there, there's that clip where he sent Von Miller on that spin move uh, 
<laughs> into the grounds, so, and that's gone viral. There's, I've seen some people that have posted that clip, and it's got like 50,000 eyeballs on it. So a lot of voters that are going to see that. I, I think Lane Johnson's probably going to be, provided he stays healthy, stays on the field, I think he's going to be the first team all-pro at right tackle this year. And and really, they had they had three or four players playing at that level, you know. Jason Kelsey, first team All Pro. Um, I, I thought Brandon Brooks, obviously All Pro. Lane Johnson and Jason Peters. I thought he was the best left tackle in football this year before he got hurt. Because it, one thing that's happening with Tyron Smith, it's funny. He's getting a lot of holding penalties on him this year. I watched um, one game, and I don't remember if it was the Redskins game or not. But he there was he had like three holding penalties, and I was doing a little bit of research going back, watching a couple other ones. He's he's been penalized a lot this year, so. You know, to me, Jason Peters was just absolutely a, a Pro Bowl and All Pro left tackle this year. So it, they just really they have something special on that offensive line. But that, that's all I have for the offense. Do you have any last things that you kind of want to add there? Uh, we talked about that we've been hitting on the running game throughout, throughout, throughout. Uh, Jay Ajayi, obviously, uh, the explosiveness was a big addition for this team. Somebody actually on Twitter pointed out. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was um, Ryan Saunders. He actually pointed out that, um, you know, Ajayi looked looked a little bit weird on that run. Like, it looks like um, maybe the way he was running, the knee issue might be something big. But here's my thing. If you get a guy like that, that's um, he's going to play for a season and a half, and he's going to give you elite-level production from the running back position level, I mean, that's fine for a fourth-round pick, especially if you win a championship. So uh, that, that's all I have for the offense. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on to the defense? Uh, just quickly, I thought Ajayi did look a little bit weird as well, but he ran very well. That run, to be honest, although it was great because it was Ajayi, the hole was so big. I think possibly even Blount might have got through it before on the whole collapse, but I don't think it had gone all the way. So um, I think I want to touch on Clement, but I think we're going to touch on him later. So I'm happy to move straight on to the defense. Awesome. Uh, the defensive line, <laughs> what can we say about them? They've just been outstanding. We were talking about some of the players that – this was a good year for the Birds Breakdown brand because we hit on some players. We were talking about Vinny Curry, and I know a good friend, John Barcher, at BGN Radio, he was all the way out on Vinny Curry. And whenever we tried to talk to him about it, he was just like, no, you know, I'm out of it. And now that Vinny Curry is getting reps with the ones, we're seeing what he's able to do. He's just been fantastic against the run. He's collapsed pockets. He's forced quarterbacks to maneuver. And that's one thing that goes underrated about uh what a defensive lineman does. You know, we talk about pressures and everything like that. And there's not a stat that can really track this, but just how a defensive lineman can collapse a pocket and just change it. That's that's a big impact for uh, for me, and I know for you as well. So Curry's just been outstanding. Barnett seems to have come along as far from a pass rushing standpoint over the last couple of games. I still think that he needs to work on getting to the passer quicker. But this is uh, this goes back to a draft concern. A lot of people thought that the reason he was able to get sacks is because he was able to time the snap so well. So I'm wondering if we're seeing these things translate to where, you know, if he's not timing the snap, then he's not going to get the sack. He's not going to get there. He's not going to win. Uh, Tim Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, th- those guys have been outstanding. Chris Long, whenever they need to rotate him in, he's he's just been outstanding. And, and Brandon Graham, you know, it's, I think it goes without saying how good that he's been. The linebackers, it, it was funny that, the uh, there was times when they would go with a four four formation with four linebackers on the field. I thought that was the ultimate sign of disrespect uh, when it comes to Brock Osweiler and the Broncos' offense. The fact that they were going to take cornerback, which is a position that they've been strong at, they're going to take one off the field and they're going to put in an extra linebacker 
a, a position that they're really thin at, like outside of Kendricks and Bradham, like that they're not very good at linebacker right now. So they put two two of those guys in and basically said, you know, we dare you to do anything on us. So it, that was kind of funny to me. Uh, the secondary, they they Patrick Robinson. I don't know what we can say about him. He's just been outstanding all year long, and it's carried over, and it just keeps carrying over. He's He's been excellent in the slot. I'm very interested to see how he matches up with Cole Beasley this week whenever they play him because he did a good job against Jameson Crowder whenever they played him. So and Cole Beasley's just been a pain in the Eagles' asses over the uh, pain in the Eagles' ass over the last couple of years. So that's uh, that's if, if he can do something against Cole Beasley, I'm all for that. Like because a lot of what they like to do is against Beasley, get Beasley open and get him in the spaces, especially on those crucial third downs. So that's uh, I want to see how he does there. Just quarterback outside that. Jalen Mills is playing well. He he has a knack for finding the ball and where it's at. Russell Douglas is playing better than we could have expected. And the safeties are what they are. They they just been outstanding. So just overall thoughts on the defense in this game. Yeah, so like you, just going for it bit by bit. I I know Chris Long left because of playing time and stuff, but I'm shocked the Patriots let him get out of the building because he's really impressed me when he's been on the field. Derek Barnett's pass rushing has, as you said, been coming along, but his run defense has been awesome as well. Um, Jernigan obviously been a little bit banged up recently. He hasn't been playing that much, but Bo Allen has stepped in and been really good when he's been on the field. Cox is just freak. You know what we know what Cox can do. Graham's the same, just very consistent. And Vinny Curry has, I'm so, so happy for him because I was always so high on Curry. Um, anyone that read my film review before last year, I said, this is it. This is Curry breakout. I wasn't the only one saying it, but I really did think so. And I think he must have been hurt last year. I mean, if he wasn't hurt, to not be on the field over Connor Barwin, and we all love Jim Schwartz now, and rightly so, the defence is playing exceptional. But my goodness, what a stupid decision, because Connor Barwin was horrendous. I mean, Vinnie Curry, is, it's his run defence that shocked me. He's been unbelievably good against the run. And in my mind, I don't really know what they're going to do with Cap, but I don't know how much Curry will get paid if he's on the open market. But if I was Curry and he loves this team and he wants to stay here, then restructure because Brandon Graham's not going to be here forever. Chris Long is probably not going to be here very long. So although um, although Derek Barnett's there and um, looking to take his position, there's a real serious role for Vinnie Curry here over the next few years. And I really hope he stays because all the talk about cutting him was extremely premature. I mean, funnily enough, we're not going to what we were calling all draft season we were saying we don't want to draft Derek Barnett and not Derek Barnett specifically but a defensive end was not our first choice just strictly because we both I think believe that there must have been something up with Curry last year to not be on the field on early down because he was getting pressure on third down he wasn't getting sacked but he was getting pressure so I, we, we never gave up on Vinny and it's so so awesome to see him play like this um rest of front seven Kendricks again I mean we talk about this a little bit but what a year for the brand of like players that most people have given up on. I mean, you mentioned Curry. The fans killed Curry. They were, oh my goodness, they were so out on Kendricks. People thought that, who was, I can't remember who the guy we drafted now. We drafted a safety, didn't we, coming out of college, um, who was turning into a linebacker. And the second we uh, drafted him, God, I can't remember his name, everyone was like, well, that's uh, Kendricks' position gone. This guy's taking his position. And you were just like, what? And then the trade thing comes out where Kendricks says he wants to be traded. And everyone's like, trading for a seventh-round pick. I mean, Kendricks is playing really well. Um, Bradham is just playing phenomenally well. Um, I was slightly wrong about Bradham. I thought he was okay. I liked him last year, don't get me wrong. I thought he was good, but I never thought he'd be this good. Um, he has really, really stepped up since Hicks has gone down. And really happy for Jalen Mill was playing really, really well. I don't think it's a fluke at this point. I think he is just a better player than a lot of people thought he would be. And that competitiveness he has, although it annoys um, some fans when it goes wrong, I think he's going to be here for a number of years. And and whoever they have healthy at cornerback, I think that guy will get snaps because he's the kind of guy you want on the field. Uh, Douglas, 
playing really, really well too. It's going to be a bit weird when Derby comes back because Douglas will get pushed out of the lineup. I feel pretty certain about that. But he's a great player to have come in if there's any injuries or I think they'll use him to match up against certain players, which is just awesome. And then, yeah, Patrick Robinson, exceptional. Malcolm Jenkins is just so, so good. Malcolm Jenkins has been so, so good for the last two, three years, though. I mean, what an unbelievable free agent signing that was. So, yeah, defence as a whole, just playing really well. Defensive line especially, though. The way they handle the running game at the moment is pretty ridiculous, really. I can't see them not allowing any, like, rushing yards all season. It's going to be something that happens. But at the moment, they've just been absolutely dominant, except for a few long, busted plays. The Kareem Hunt one comes to mind. They've just had so many consistent plays where they just absolutely kill running backs of a line of scrimmage, and there is just absolutely no holes against them. And if the Eagles get teams into second and long, third and long, they've got the kind of team that we said they were long that will be able to win in those situations. And yeah, it's just it's been incredibly fun to watch. The defense is flying around. They look like they're really having fun out there. They really do embody what Jim Schwartz is about as a coach. And I would be surprised at this point if he's not very high priority for head coaches next year. I personally wouldn't want him as a head coach. I think he's perfect as a defensive coordinator, but I imagine that there will be owners out there that will want Schwartz. So I think we should enjoy it while we can, because I'd be very surprised if he's here for very long, the way the defense it's is It's an interesting the point moment. that you bring up about Schwartz and the head coaching candidacy, because you know there are a lot of guys that are better as defensive coordinators. I know Dick LeBeau, the, the longtime Steeler defensive coordinator, now with the Titans, he realized he's better as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Jim Johnson, who was here for the Eagles for a long time, whenever uh, they were on their NFC Championship runs, and uh, just an, another guy that comes to mind also is Don Capers. Now, obviously, uh, you know, there's a little bit of you know decision decisiveness on whether or not he's uh, he's actually that good, but he's a guy that's just been known better as a uh, a coordinator. I'm wondering if Jim Schwartz would be the same thing, just because uh, you know, and and if he'd be willing to stay as a defensive coordinator. Because of the fact it seems like they're willing to give him all the keys that he needs to make his defense successful. So if if like Derek Barnett, we knew, we knew that was a pick completely for Jim Schwartz, and then they spent uh, the cornerback pick also on Jim Schwartz. So it, their first three draft picks, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, the uh, the two cornerbacks, Brazil Douglas, and then uh, Derek Barnett. So. They gave him the toys. They gave him the the kind of things that he wants, and he, he just seems to have free reign on the defense. So I'd love to keep him in the building, and I, I hope he, he does stay because I think he's been integral to the part of this team and the attitude that they've had. But I actually want to move on now to uh, just the overall assessment of this team. Now that we're we're pretty much at the midway mark for these guys, they're they're eight and one, so they're definitely halfway through the season. They're coming up on the bye week, and it's uh, it's just really been fantastic for them so far. You know, just one loss, and that one loss was a, a game that came down to the final play on that Hail Mary against the Chiefs. Now, obviously, they were down 14 late anyways, but they still had a chance there to win it at the end, so it's not like they were blown out of it, and they were in it for most of the fourth quarter as well. So there were definitely opportunities there. They could be 9-0 at this point. I know a lot of people want to talk about the teams that they beat. I, I still consider the Redskins quality win. I know a lot of people don't. They're like, you know, they haven't beaten anybody. I think that's, that's a good team that they've beaten. And the Redskins have, obviously the Raiders have stunk, but they, they went out to L.A. They beat L.A. They uh, This past week, they went into Seattle and won. So it, just the way that the Eagles have beaten them, the Eagles have beaten them by two scores both times that they've played them. So I, that's a quality win to me. I know that Denver, they, they stink offensively, but that defense is still talented. They they destroyed some teams earlier in this year. So I, I you know I, I know people talk about the strength of schedule, but I, I'm not buying into it completely because I, I think that they the ways that they've won and they've showed you know, how they can get on track, 
And, and Carolina as well. That's another good quality win. So just the way that they've won, the way they've shown that they can uh, hang with any team or they can beat any team, uh, th to me that's enough. Obviously we'll get to see even more of that as the as the season rolls along because they go into Dallas next week and they'll play host to Chicago, which is a, a game that they should win. Then goes that West Coast road trip where they'll go out to Seattle and then out to L.A. You and I, I've been telling you all year long that I think they go into Seattle and I think that they win. And I, uh, I, I'm not holding off on that. I like it even better now that that's the first game of that road trip because uh, yeah, I still think they could beat the Rams. I think it's probably be the easier game of the two for them to beat. But, uh, you know, I just teams on the road back-to-back -back weeks, especially out there in the West Coast, I'm not sure how I'm feeling about that. But just looking back at this team, they, they've been remarkable from everything. You know, we talked about quarterback, Carson Wentz. We didn't expect him to be this good this soon. He's really tightened up his mechanics. He, he's seeing the field a lot better. He's, he's just recognizing everything. Just the pre-snap work that he's done this year has been outstanding. And there's so much more continuity. Like, this, this team's playing together. You know, you can see just uh, on the social media, the videos that they post and all of that. We talked about the Doug Pearson FX things. He's uh, they, they they just love each other. They love playing for each other. They love playing with each other, and it's a great locker room atmosphere. And when you compare that to something of like what's going on with the Giants, where they had to suspend Dominique Rogers, Cromartie, and Janoris Jenkins uh, throughout the course of this season just because they decide they don't want to show up to practice or different things like that, that locker room is running wild. So when you look at what Doug Peterson's built and what these guys are doing down here. It's it's fantastic to kind of watch those things unfold. Yeah, I think in terms of the schedule as well, I think the Eagles, I think the away games will be difficult because they do have some tough road trips. All I would say is I'm not nervous about playoffs. Obviously, I mean the Eagles the best team in the league right now, but I would be disappointed. It's hard to say because they do have a tough schedule coming up. But at this point, you'd be disappointed if, if they're not the number one seed in the NFC, which is crazy to say. But I think they are just far and away the best team. So Seahawks and Rams won't be easy back to back. But I feel like they've got. I feel like so I feel like there's a good chance they could beat both of them. I think the Cowboys away won't be as easy as some people think. The Cowboys are playing good football, but if they can shut down Zeke the way they've been shutting down opposing running games, then I think the Eagles' offense are going to score points. But anything can happen in rival games. So I am very optimistic about this team. I think they are far and away right now the best team in the league. And really quickly, just to brush up on Wentz's mechanics, I mean, how ridiculous is that? We spoke about Wentz's mechanics all off-season, saying that he will get better, we have faith, but it will regress during the season. Don't panic when it regresses. It will come back next year. It will. Be, I mean, he's just, he's basically, like, he's changed his whole release. It's tighter. His footwork's much better. The, just the general release is so much tighter and smoother than it was last year. So John Filippo, Doug, um, deserve huge credit, but Wentz as well, because for someone to improve that quickly, we speak about it time and time again, but I just, I still can't believe how, not just how well he's playing, but how mechanically sound he is right now compared to where he was last year. Yeah, I mean, when we had Sean on, we talked about how it could take years to kind of get everything refined. And now there are still some things that, you know, it, the precision is going to come even more. Like uh, that Trey Burton deep throw that he messed up when Burton was open. Now, that's that's a really hard throw to make. It's a, it's a drop-in-the-bucket throw, but Wentz isn't really that sort of passer. So it's uh, it's something that's going to take a little bit of time to get something like that. We've talked about Matthew Stafford as a comparison there as a guy that... Yeah, it was a little bit more erratic, but kind of 
reined it in, and now he's able to do that. So I, I think that those throws are that he can make are are in the future for Wentz when it comes. And we've seen it occasionally, but if we could see it with more consistency, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch going forward. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's looking at the team. It's remarkable what they've done so far. And you know, I, I can't say enough good things about them. And it's uh, it, it's it, it's really special to watch here. You know, you talked about that rivalry game. Looking at the rest of the schedule real quick, uh, peeking at the second half of the season. I know you talked about Dallas not being as easy as what some of us think. I, I just don't see how they have an answer on defense for anything that the Eagles do. You know, I, I know Sean Lee's a really good cover linebacker, but no, like. Zach Ertz is pretty much matchup proof at this point. Like it doesn't matter who they stick on him. He's he's always been able to produce in every game. Like even in the the Panthers game, like he had uh, he had two touchdowns. And I know Luke Keekley was out for like one of them or so, but even when they put you know cover linebackers on him, he, he still did really well. He's uh, they they scheme really well. They get guys open. And Dallas, I don't think just doesn't have the defensive talent to keep up with this. Now up front on the defensive line, it could be interesting with uh, Demarcus Lawrence having a really good year and, and David Irving's um, a, a pretty good pass rusher as well. But I, I think that the Eagles offensively can have their way with this defense and when you flip things over I still don't think Zeke's uh, temporary stay was just for that one game so he's gonna have to fight it out week after week to play so he's gonna have to go through the same process again this week in order for uh, the opportunity to play so whether or not he plays in that game I don't know I'm I'm really hoping Atlanta kind of lays it on him because that would be interesting because you know when you what the Cowboys are going through, it wears on you a lot. Like emotionally, you know, it's is he playing or not? It's it's going to be something that gets to you. And they're in a tough stretch of games. Like they they the Chiefs at home. Obviously, that game didn't turn out to be the way that as Eagles fans we would hope. But it's still a tough team to play. And then uh, you get Atlanta. They go to Atlanta this week. That's obviously Atlanta is kind of failing at this point. But still a tough team that knows how to win. And they're, they're very very skilled on offense and defense. And then next week they play host to uh, Philadelphia, the Eagles. So it just doesn't get any easier from here on out. For me, uh, the thing that I'm keeping an eye on, the Eagles, I said the earliest that they could clinch the NFC East. If uh, Dallas goes 1-3 and three in their next four, which would be um, Atlanta, Philadelphia, uh, the Chargers, and there's one other team in there that they could possibly lose to. And um, if the Eagles go... 3-0, and like say they beat the Cowboys, Bears, and go to Seattle and win. The Eagles will clinch the NFC East in Week 13. And uh, the opportunity also comes for the number one seed in the NFC, because that's something that the Eagles want. You know they do, because you get some of these teams that come out of a dome, and you can get them into Philadelphia like the Saints. That's a team that, you know, we talked about last time the Eagles played them in the playoffs. You know, they don't do as well in cold weather. And that's the game that they turned the ball over a couple times. Like, I think Drew Brees threw two interceptions in that game. And really, if it wasn't for uh, some crummy special teams and a defense that was really patchworked that year, the Eagles probably win that playoff game. So, if you if you can get the Saints coming north or if you can get the, uh, the Vikings coming south, I know obviously they're a cold weather team, but I think they play in that glass dome as well. So if you get those teams in Philadelphia this time of year, I think that's an advantage, especially with the way that the Eagles have built this team and really acquired talent through a running back position. But as far as second-half outlook goes, I I think they're still looking good. Obviously, the tougher part of the schedule comes up with that road trip out there. And then uh, it, it eases up a little bit because you get the Giants again. And then um, I think there's one 
uh, West team that they have left um, that they get to play. It would the Raiders, so they get the Raiders to come here on Christmas and then finish the season out with Dallas. But hopefully, at that point, they'll have the number one seed in the NFC clinched. To be honest, I'm looking forward to the tough away games as well. Like not just because I'm confident in this team, but I I do want to see them there. I want to see them play Seattle on the road. I want to see them play the Cowboys um, away from home. It would be so good if they beat the Cowboys in their own stadium. So I don't think it's something we should worry about. I really am looking forward to those games because you can't see the Eagles laying an egg. They seem so well coached at the moment. They might lose the odd game, but I don't think they're going to lose heavily or anything. As long as they keep progressing as a team, it doesn't matter if they lose a few. Um, they can still get a number one seed if they lose a few. So it is just really exciting times. It's hard not to talk really about um, how the Eagles are doing the playoffs and everything because the team just looks so, so good as a whole and there's no real weakness. But it is the NFL and anything can happen. But yeah, I'm just, I'm very, very excited for those big games that we got coming up. Yeah, it's a, it really is a lot of fun because then, you know, it's a true test of what this team is. And if you say they go out in the West Coast and they go 2-0, and like I'd, I have no doubt in my mind right now that they could beat anybody in the NFC and that they will be in the Super Bowl, but it just kind of, you know, it reaffirms it down, especially if they can stay healthy and get a little bit more healthy. Because it'll be interesting to see Ronald Darby come back. Like, that's one guy that we've completely forgotten about, but he'll be back for the Dallas game, which it's going to be interesting, though, because I think the Eagles cornerbacks are playing well enough that how much of a difference would Darby actually make at this point? I think he's going to match up with those quicker twitch receivers, but it's it's something to monitor. But uh, that's all I have. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up, Johnny? Yes, I was planning to dedicate my final thoughts to my man that is the greatest thing to ever happen to my Eagles Twitter brand, which is, of course, Corey Clement. Um, it's just incredibly fun to watch this guy. I mean, a huge shout out to him as well. He seemed like he had some troubles in college, but he's a proper Eagles um, fan. I think his parents or whatever, he's born and raised in Philly, I think, or whatever. And there was lots of stories pre-draft about how he wanted to be here. For a undrafted free agent to become such a key role in this offense, and to be honest, I think obviously the three touchdowns are a bit of an outlier. When Ajayi takes over, Clement will take more of a back seat. But the things he can do now in terms of third down pass protection, in terms of receiving, and I mean, anyone who doesn't know the backstory, he was just one of the running backs I watched. I watched like 15, 16, and there was no hype about him. And I just started tweeting like, why is there no hype about Clement? And he sort of became the guy I wanted us to draft. And the longer the draft went on, I hated the Pumphrey pick, absolutely hated it. I mean, my timeline was, my mentions were in flames. And I was saying time and time again, draft Clement, draft Clement. I think I sent the Eagles tweet at Eagles draft Corey Clement the night before I went to sleep when all the undrafted free agents got picked up I woke up to just a million tweets and people saying we signed him we signed him and I said he was better than Smallwood I thought he would be and I said he'd be better than Pumphrey and what I this was a weird thing with running backs because he's not the most athletically gifted he's not the most clearly he's not the quickest but there's just certain players that you watch on film when you think they're NFL running backs they run with urgency and funny enough I, I someone I listened to a lot but I actually didn't know this I was listening to Fran and Greg Cosell on Eagle Eye in the Sky this week and Greg Cosell was saying that he liked Clement a lot more than Fran in the offseason and that, that wasn't actually why I like Clement I do like a lot of the same guys as Cosell but I actually had no idea that Cosell liked Clement so it wasn't just me that saw something I know Sean as well was on here you obviously like Clement as well on this podcast and we had Sean on and he agreed with me that he could take the Ryan Matthews um, role and I don't think the Eagles are ever going to treat Ajayi like a 25 carry game so I think Clement could be here for the next few years playing like a 1B role being in a pass protection at times being versatile getting eight maybe six to eight carries a game I mean what a great pick that was an undrafted free agent I mean 
it should have been drafted so the Eagles got lucky but it's it never happens that someone you like as a player becomes an undrafted free agent and it, it really is just so cool to root for him obviously I tweet every time he scores a touchdown but now it's I really didn't think he'd score many and now it's just it's just so enjoyable watching the guy and yeah I'm so so happy for him and he's and he's, he has really become a key part of this team and I think he's a great example of how the Eagles coaching are putting players how they can in situations to win but also how they're giving young players a chance they're not really worried about where you're drafted and also just for spotting that the guy could have a role here I know it was an undrafted free agent but they did pay him I think more than any other undrafted free agent and it's just a great example again of how they drafted someone who they know they can carve out a role for and they're using him just the perfect way so it's awesome to see on so many levels and I'm really happy for the guy and I'm really happy for myself if I'm being honest yeah he's uh he's been fantastic and he's just the improvement that he's shown in the ability to catch the ball and pass protect, it's uh, it's miles away from what he was showing in preseason. So it, it's really a good story. My final thoughts actually don't have much to do with football, but uh, more so Philadelphia sports. Yesterday, the Roy Halladay died in the plane crash. He was the uh, pitcher for the Phillies. Now, he wasn't a part of the World Series runs, but he was a part of what was arguably the one of the best runs that Philadelphia sports has seen in, in years. I know it's up there with... Uh, with those national, uh, not the National League, but the uh, NFC Championship runs that the Eagles had, but the the Phillies actually ended up winning a title. So, you know, he didn't get to take part in that, but he was just a, a big part of Philadelphia. Like, he just he just felt like ours, and it, it's very similar to what Carson Wentz feels like. I mean, he's just a guy that, you know, Philadelphia fans are notoriously known for whether uh, they deserve it or not. Just this uh being hard on players different things like that with with Roy Halladay he was just such a, a perfectionist a guy that always worked hard put his soul into uh, everything that he could do and it was always a treat to watch him play and just do uh just step on the mound once every five days and give this team an opportunity to win and you know I see a lot of those parallels with Carson Wentz and just how the city has embraced him but it's just the news of Roy Halladay is tough especially you know, it's uh, it's Philadelphia fans. It's not something that we get to see a lot of. It's uh, just high quality play. Obviously, we're coming into a different era, but he was just a great person. There were just so many different stories about what he did in the community, and he was up for the Roberto Clemente Award, which uh, goes about basically to humanitarians in the MLB. He was up for that several times. He was just uh, just a once in generation athlete. And it's really sad news to see what came out about him yesterday, and it's. It's uh, it's something that you know we're relatively younger. I'm 23. I think you're in your early 20s as well. But it's uh, just something to watch. This guy. It was a treat, and this is the first time they've actually, you know, seen one of those guys that we looked up to, and you know, went out there and was just one of the top performers on his game. Just actually, you know, kind of suddenly pass away and abruptly. So, once again, thoughts and prayers out to the Holiday family, and I want to thank you for everything you did for. The city of Philadelphia, Roy, you will be missed. But that's uh, that's all I have for this episode of Bird Breakdown. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at TJackRH. Johnny is at JohnnyPage9. Two N's, J-O-N-N-Y-P-A-G-E-9. The nine from Nick Foles, who actually got into the game and led the Eagles on a touchdown drive. So, once again, make sure to... Make sure to go follow us on Twitter. You can also read our work on bleedinggreennation.com and make sure to support the podcast. Like, rate, subscribe, review. All that helps us with feedback and helps us going forward to implement more and better, even, even better content. So once again, I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week with the Cowboys preview. Fly, Eagles, fly. Begin. Begin. Are you ready for it?
for it. <laughs>